Today's message is going to be um, talking about Joseph and Jacob and the relationship between a father and a son. They had an interesting one, which we're going to get to in just a moment. This is a significant weekend, not only because it is Father's Day, but it's significant because for our nation's first time, we're acknowledging a federal holiday called Juneteenth. Let me explain. June 19th, 1865, slaves in Texas were told by soldiers about the abolition of slavery. This was two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation, which freed all enslaved black Americans. No one should have a greater appreciation for the deliverance from bondage than the body of Christ. We who love Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible today, identify with the feeling of freedom and the joy of being accepted. We practice Paul's words in Romans 12, 15, in mourning with those who mourn and rejoicing with those who rejoice. Today, may we mourn our sins. May we celebrate progress. And may we keep working towards a more just world. Let's give God thanks. This is, uh, this is an awkward transition, but I'm going to do this. I want to show you a, a few pictures before we open God's word for today. Some of you don't get to see this. Uh, they're going to put a couple of pictures up here. One in particular, beginning... I want to give some thanks to those in our congregation. This is our new registration for children's ministry. If you do not have children, you may have not seen this. And those of you who are watching online, you may have not had a chance to come back and worship with us yet because of COVID. And I want to show you the hard work that so many in our congregation have made in remodeling the lower level right underneath here. They're going to scroll through some of the pictures. So not only to those who have remodeled, but for the last 17 years, 17 years, our children's ministry was across the street over there in 4AC. And you can imagine, I've pa- I'm packing up a house of 12 years. So you know, you collect a lot of stuff. And that was moved all over here. And so I just personally wanted to say thank you. There are so many of you that worked hours. You volunteered hours after working your own job. You came and you painted. You pulled carpet. You did construction. And you're still doing that. And you helped us move. Can we show our appreciation to those who served and volunteered? Thank you. All right, let me pray before we go to God's word. Father, this is a special weekend and we have acknowledged a lot. And as we sang in that last song, may you be the center of this church. May you be the center of your people. We live in a time where the enemy wants to pull us in a thousand different directions. And Lord, we have dedicated and we believe that you have called us at this place to follow Jesus in diverse community. And there's a reason that your name is first. It's because we want you to be first in the center of it all. So would you help us 
in doing that? Would you help us in walking that out daily? Speak to us today through your word in the mighty name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Now, this was not intentional, but last week in my illustration, I referenced a movie from the 1980s. And today, I am going to begin by talking about a TV show. I don't know if you find this to be the case, but in our house, sometimes it's hard for my wife and I to agree on a TV show to watch together. Does anybody, can anybody relate? It seems like the shows I like, she doesn't, and the shows she likes, I don't. And of course, like, it's Father's Day weekend, so I can brag a little bit. Being a good husband and father, I always yield. And uh, that's not true, Lord, help me. Um, but there was a show several years back that my wife said, you need to watch this with me. It's about a family. They're from Pittsburgh. They're Steeler fans. And I'm like, okay, okay. And the show is called This Is Us. Now, dads, how many of you have been suckered into watching the show at any given point? Okay, I'm the only one. Okay, there's been a couple. Now, I'm not going to go into all the detail, but I made it through about one and a half seasons. And yes, it's about a family who is from Pittsburgh and they are Steeler fans, but my short recap of it, it's basically about a family that's jacked up and has a bunch of daddy issues. So that... If you want to watch that, there, there you go. But um, it's not the type of show that on Father's Day weekend you're going to sit down and watch. So what's the point? The point is not to make fun of fatherlessness. Because fatherlessness is a very serious issue. It's a serious problem in our country. It's a serious problem in our communities. It's a serious problem in our homes and even our churches. The seriousness of fatherlessness, let me give you a quote from the National Fatherhood Initiative. They write, there is a father absence crisis in America. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 18.3 million children, one in four, live without a biological step or adoptive father in their home. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all social ills facing America today. Because of fatherlessness, a child who grows up without a father in the home, they are seven times more likely to become, excuse me, pregnant as a teen, four times greater a risk of poverty, twice as likely to drop out of high school. They are more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to face behavioral problems, more likely to abuse drugs or alcohol, more likely to go to prison. Now, as people of faith, our question should be, well, what does the Bible have to say about fatherlessness? I'm glad you asked. Because the Bible actually has a lot to say. First of all, we can see God's heart in relation to fatherlessness. Hosea writes these words, For in you, that's God, the fatherless find what? Compassion. Hosea says God, his heart is compassionate towards those who are fatherless. Deuteronomy writes, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He, God, defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. But the Bible doesn't stop there. 
The Bible just doesn't speak of God's compassionate heart towards the fatherless. He also, the Bible also speaks to how his people, us, you and I, people of faith, should respond, our call to respond. In Isaiah, the prophet says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of fatherlessness plead the case of the widow the psalmist writes defend the weak and the fatherless uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed you see the community of the community of faith you and I we are called to take up the defense and called to take up the cause of standing for those who are fatherlessness it's why I'm grateful for conferences like Man Up here in Pittsburgh with Pastor Ed Glover and UIF, which I attended last weekend, and then this very weekend they did it virtually. They stand for fatherlessness, and that should be our stand and our cause as believers. Now, today's text, Genesis 46 and 47, it brings hope And it demonstrates to us how God can heal and God can work through painful results of fatherlessness. Both in the son, Joseph, who was fatherless for 20 years, and in the dad, Jacob, whose heart was heavy with guilt, regret, and mourning from the loss of a son. So today, for those here who have experienced or are experiencing the pain and the results of not having a father around, you need to know that there is hope and healing found in Jesus. For you dads that may be here watching online, carrying a heavy load of shame from being absent from your kids, either physically or emotionally, there is hope and there is healing in Jesus. And for all of us dads who have regrets of some level or guilt for the mistakes that we have made in parenting. Even to us, Jesus offers hope and healing. So today's text is a reunion. Joseph, the son, and Jacob, the dad, they reunite after 20, 22 years of having never seen each other. So we're gonna look at the son, Joseph, who spent 20 years in prison and in Egypt without a father. And we're gonna look at Jacob, who, as I said, had lots of regrets. So Joseph, the boy without a dad. Woody Allen once said that showing up is 80% in life. For all the fatherly advice one could ever give, it's probably the most significant. Dads, show up. Dads, just be there. If you were to ask the 18.3 million children in America that are growing up in homes without a dad around, they'd probably tell you, I just wish dad would show up. The wounds of not having a dad around are endless and we could spend hours talking about them. Sometimes and often it manifests itself in aggression or anger. Other times it results in producing overachievers who are out to be the man their father never was. Appearing on the outside as though everything is successful, but on the inside, never having enough to fill the void of dad not being around. Ultimately, though, the core wound of the absent dad says that you can't rely on anyone because sooner or later, everything's going to come crashing down around you. 
And while it wasn't Jacob's fault, wasn't Jacob's fault that he wasn't around for his son, it didn't change the fact that Joseph spent 20 years living in exile without his dad. Yet when you read scripture, we don't see in Joseph's life the hurt and the wounds of Joseph's fatherlessness playing out in scripture. In fact, when you look at Joseph's life, you see the opposite. Joseph grows into being a successful father, both in having two children of his own and as one to Pharaoh himself. What do you mean by that? Well, let's go back a few chapters. Genesis 45, verse 8. Look what the Bible says. So it was not, this is Joseph speaking to his brothers. We talked about this last weekend. So it was not you who sent me here, but God, Joseph says to his brothers. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over Egypt and all of the land. How does that happen? How does a boy sold into slavery at 17 who spends 20 years with an absent dad grow into being a successful father of his own two children and as the Bible says, a a father to Pharaoh? Joseph's fatherlessness in prison prepared him to be the father to Pharaoh and his own kids. Listen to this. In prison, Joseph had to find God as his father. That's what made him a father to Pharaoh. God and God alone is the heavenly father you have always craved. And that's good news for all of us, whether our dads were there or whether our dads weren't. Whether you had a great dad or an awful one, even the best of dads fail and eventually pass away, leaving a gaping hole in our heart that we don't know how to fill. The prophet Isaiah speaks of this in prophesying. Remember these words in the Bible. Isaiah says, for to us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. His name is the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, your Heavenly Father isn't like any father here on earth. Not your dad, no matter how good or how bad, not like Jacob. He's an Everlasting Father who never disappoints, never forsakes, never leaves, and never dies. And the fact is that today, Jesus is the only answer for all the daddy issues that we have. So that's Jacob, the boy without a dad. But what about, or that's Joseph rather, but what about Jacob, the dad with regrets? See, Jacob was a man who had to live with many regrets as a dad. Think about his own boys selling their brother into slavery. And why? Why did their brothers sell Joseph into slavery? Again, let me remind you, Genesis chapter 37. But his brothers hated Joseph. So why did this happen? Because their dad loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say even a kind word about him. Last week, we saw Joseph's brothers come face to face with Joseph. And see the consequences of their actions. Remember, we talked about what would that have been like to face the brothers who sold you into slavery. 
But that wasn't just with Joseph. They still had to face their dad. The one they lied to about his favorite son being killed by an animal. Now, how do you think? Here they resolve everything with Joseph, but now they have to go back to Canaan and still face the music and tell their dad, oh, dad, uh, by the way, that, that son, your favorite son that we told you was killed by an animal and we handed you your favorite robe that you built for him that had blood on it, yeah, we lied. Now, can you imagine the beating? They probably were coming, getting coming. Well, what did, how did Jacob respond? How did Jacob respond? Well, probably a lot differently than you and I would have. Let's look at scripture, Genesis 45. This is Jacob's response when his boys come home. So they went up out of Egypt and they came to the land of Canaan and they came to their father, Jacob. And they tell him, dad, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all of the land of Egypt. Jacob's heart became numb for he did not believe them. Let's continue. But when they told him all of the words of Joseph, they told him about the conversation that they had and the healing, everything we talked about last weekend, which he said to them. And when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. So what was Jacob's response? You don't see, I'm sure he had emotions. I'm sure the scripture doesn't give us all, but we don't see an angry response from Jacob. We don't see backlash. We don't see retribution. The Bible continues for our text today. This is Jacob's response. Genesis 45, verse 28. Jacob, whose name was Israel, he said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Jacob says, it is enough. Jacob said, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough of the years of family dysfunction. From his grandfather Abraham to his father Isaac to his very own family. Enough is enough. The dysfunction has to end. Do you remember how dysfunctional this family was? His grandfather, Abraham, arranged an affair with a slave woman named Hagar to try to fast forward the promises of God by having a child with her, which causes a family divide between his wife, Sarah, and Hagar, and between their boys, Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac, Jacob's father, he repeats the very sins of Abraham and lying about his own identity with his wife, Rebecca, Jacob, and and Esau, even in the womb, are, the Bible says, are fighting one another literally from within the womb of their mom, Rebecca. She even plays a significant part in deceiving her husband as he wants to bless the firstborn. And Jacob lies and deceives and steals the blessing away from Esau. And oh, by the way, Jacob's uncle on their wedding night slips his other daughter into the honeymoon suite instead of the one that Jacob thought he was marrying. I mean, deception after deception, dysfunction after dysfunction. And Jacob says in that moment, it is enough. Now, it's one thing for us to say that, but it's something else to actually see change. 
So how did true healing and change come? How did Jacob end this dysfunction in his family? Let's look. Text for today, Genesis 46. So Israel, which is Jacob, he took his journey with all that he had and he came to Beersheba. Everybody say Beersheba. He came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel. He spoke to Jacob in visions of the night. And he said, Jacob, Jacob. He said, here I am. Then he said, I am the God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt. And I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. So Jacob's response when he says it is enough, it wasn't just saying it, turning a mental switch on and and having faith in himself that things were going to change. Jacob takes everything he has. He grabs his family and he says, we're going to Beersheba. Now what's the significance of Beersheba? Beersheba means well of the oath or well of the seven. Beersheba is the southernmost part of Israel. And it's significant because it's a point of departure for many of the patriarchs, for Abraham, for Hagar, for Jacob, for even Elijah. It was a point in which God met his people there. Jacob took everything he had. He said, it is enough. And we are going to the place where God meets us. We are going to the well of God. And what does God say? He calls Jacob's name and he says, and he reminds him, he says, I am God. And he tells Jacob, don't be afraid to move on. I have called you to go from beyond here. I've called you to go there. And he says, I am with you earlier I said that Jesus is the only answer for the daddy issues we all have well Jesus is also the only answer to the issue that all of us dads have and dads how many know we have issues before we pray I found this week an incredible illustration of what it must have been like on that day, 20 years later, where Jacob was reunited with his son Joseph, who he hadn't seen, his son who he thought was dead. I don't know the name of this dad and this son. I do know it's from 2017. So if you would, use your imagination. I tend to believe that Jacob and Joseph's reunion went something like this.
First of all, I thank God for allowing this day to be what it is, you know, because I know if it wasn't for God, this wouldn't be possible. Amen. I thank God for keeping little Lamar safe while he was in prison, and I never got the chance. I never got the chance to see him. I didn't even know he was in there and been missing him all that time. I thank God for keeping me safe. So allowing us to reunite on this day. They laid me off my job August 25th permanently. And I thought it was a bad thing. But God took what was supposed to have been bad and turned it into good. And this is what the results was. So I know God is good. I know he's good all the time. Yes, he is. And I thank God for using both of y'all as a willing vessel thank you, baby. to thank make you, this sister. possible. I love you so much, man. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to stand or even identify yourself, but I want to pray first for those who have passed hurt and pain or maybe current pain because of fatherlessness. I want to also include those dads who your dad has moved on to heaven. Doesn't mean you still don't feel that. Can I pray for you? Your word says that you are the everlasting father. And Jesus, we recognize that the only answer to our loneliness, to our anger, to the void that is left by not having an earthly father present is your presence in being a heavenly father there. I am grateful that you never leave us, you never forsake us. That just as you spoke to Jacob and said, I am here, and you told him that you would go with him, just like for 20 years when Joseph was in exile, when he found you as a heavenly father, you can do the same for those that are here listening. So I pray that a peace that only you can give would fill their heart and mind. A comfort that only you can give. Remove the void, remove the absence. And may your spirit fill them in the mighty name of Jesus. Last, I just want to pray for dads. If you're here, would you stand one more time? Whether you're a biological father or you may have stepped in to be a surrogate father for someone. Dad, I want to conclude by praying for you. Might be a stepdad, it's all right. Lord, I thank you for these men. As a father myself, I know how the enemy will come and remind us of all the things that we did wrong and lie and (laughs) remind us of the times in which we failed. 
So I pray for any dads that would be here today that would be struggling with guilt. Lord, just as if Jacob probably looked back and recognized how his favoritism to one son cost him 20 years, Lord, you brought healing and reconciliation. I pray for that with this group. I pray for those dads who are raising young children. Maybe the dad that's here that has a baby in the womb or the dads that are praying for a son or daughter but they haven't seen you answer that prayer yet. Lord, would you begin to work in them and their hearts and their mind? Would you begin to put disciplines in their life now that prepare them for that moment when you give them a gift? Lord, help us, the dads in this church, to be men of faith, to be good husbands, to be good fathers, to be good followers of Jesus. Amen.